on the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. God is with us. How about the Vine Worshipers? Give them a round of applause. They work hard every week, guys. How about our creative team? We got lights back here, dancing and stuff. That's awesome. That's crazy awesome. It's been, a, been an awesome week. And our creative team in the back always keeps up with me when I jumble stuff up. So I'm thankful for everyone in that we get to be here today. So as you're taking your seat and you're getting ready for today, I want you to fist bump three people and say MVP. Okay, we got to say that like MVP, you know, like you're chanting. There we go. MVP, right? Yeah, MVP, MVP. Wherever you are, like I, I hear it chanted in basketball arenas anywhere, everywhere, right? Like you just hear MVP right at the free throw line every time. Like it's that time of year. And so today I want to first off say each and every one of you are MVPs. I want you to know that, that every one of you are an MVP. There's no, there's no coincidence that you're here today that God appointed this day for you to be here listening to this, whether it's on Sunday whether it's in the middle of June that you just happened to find this online, that God ordained and appointed this time today because you are an MVP. And over these past few weeks, we've just been diving into God with us. Last week, we had some snow. How crazy was that? But we still had church, uh, which was awesome. And we talked about worship and finding our joy. And over these past few weeks, we've just been talking about discovering the gift that we all are looking for, even this time of year. The gift of hope, peace, joy, and love. And we know that that's found in Jesus Christ, but sometimes that can get lost in translation. So right now, wherever you are, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. 100% crowd participation. I see eyes closed. This is great. Great. Okay. I want you to think back of a Christmas past, your favorite Christmas. No, I'm not making a cake before everyone gets excited. Uh, your favorite Christmas. All right. You can open your eyes. Now think about that Christmas. What did you see? Some of us would say family. Some of us would say friends. Some of us would say trees and gifts. Some of us would be a smell, like a food. You think of the food at the table or a song that you hear or a book that was read. A lot of us would say something like that. But I would say that the important parts you remember, right? Now I want you to take a hard look and think for just a second. Is every Christmas that Hallmark picture Christmas card like that? Like there was a lot that led up to that moment, wasn't there? Like there was a lot that led up to that moment. If, I, if we're completely honest, like right now we think of the important things. And what I've been asking Jesus to remind me of is the important things in life. But I started thinking a lot of us as we're getting ready for Christmas, we kind of have uh, a little bit of chaos, if you will, Right? Like there was a lot that led up to that important moment. And looking back, we only think about that important moment, which is awesome. But sometimes we forget in the chaos, there's still some peace that can be found in Jesus. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. The title of our message today and the title of this dialogue, the title of this talk, and the title of, of, of pointing to Jesus today is going to be the best Christmas pageant 
ever. And like I told you about that Christmas card, like I think of as things get, get flying around and, and, and things go that way is uh, like you see right there, like maybe that's some of our Christmas right now is it's supposed to be the best Christmas pageant ever. If you know the book, you know the book. If you haven't, read it. Great book. Reminds you of a lot of things. At the Herdman's specifically. It's great. Uh, if you've ever read that book, and I see some nods, some haven't, I'm sorry. Get the Cliff Notes version. It's definitely worth it. One of my favorite elementary books uh, growing up. Um, but if we look at that slide, like, does that make sense? If you look at this on the screen, does that make sense? The words are all there. The letters are all there. But it's just a little bit chaotic, right? But more importantly, you see, that's what I think some of our Christmases are kind of like. So today, I want to talk about taking that and flipping it to the best Christmas pageant ever so that we can have peace. Because even to the world, it may look jumbled, but to be honest, it's going to be that. So really quickly, before we dive in and before we dive in the Bible, I just wanted to share with you, when I thought of my favorite Christmas moment and the importance of it, I always thought every year at Christmas, Sunday before Christmas, got with my Ma Seal, uh, and we had our little gathering every Sunday. Uh, she would come over on Christmas Eve and spend the night with us. Uh, my sister and I would usually get in trouble for opening presents too early uh, at that kind of time. Uh, I always remember that. I always remember Christmas Eve at my Papa Hawkins. I always remember uh, Sunday or the Christmas Day being at my, my grandma and Papa Joe's. And uh, I remember on New Year's Eve, I usually exchanged gifts with the Beers, always the, the, the Beers family. And uh, not the beers. We didn't have beers. <laughs> uh, different story, another sermon. But that was the name of the family. So what I'm saying is I think about those people, and those important people in my life have gone on into eternity. But I started thinking when I was getting ready for this message is how the chaos leading up to that and how they had peace in it. Because if I'm real with myself, sometimes in the chaos and in the storm of those words and in the storm of those letters, whew, I'm pulling my hair out. If you don't believe that, come hang out with us at 7.30 on Sunday morning sometimes. You'll see I'm pulling my hair out. It's just, it can be crazy. And so how in the world do we experience this peace? How do we experience this peace? Because if we know, how many people know about the best Christmas pageant ever? So I might have just shot a hole in the dark. One person. Wow, that's awesome. So there's a story. And I'm gonna, I got to give you the ground rules so you can understand the sermon then. That's totally my fault. It's a great elementary story, okay? It's called the best Christmas pageant ever. And it's about a church play. And it goes off of the rails, completely off of the rails. The, the kids that are in there are the kids that only take from the church, right? That's what they're seen as. They're seen as the poor kids who only take things. They're not the ones that can contribute anything. And by the end of the story, like every Hallmark movie, everyone sees the real meaning of Christmas and sees that Jesus is the center. And it's not about what we look like, what we sound like, the chaos or the storm that we're going through. It's actually all meant to point to Jesus. So when I said the best Christmas pageant ever, that's what we're going to talk through today, is to have peace, because this whole story is about a play that goes completely off the rails. So when you get home, Google the Herdman's, not the, not the Google the Herdman's best Christmas pageant ever, and you'll get some laughs on what they say about Jesus and what they say about the wise men. So we say it every week. Uh, just really quick, I'm going to show you how we, we do our Bible.com uh, event every week. So we're going to show you on a video really quick how you can follow along with us. So if you want to go ahead and get that ready, if you've got your Bible, you can be getting that ready, turn it into Mark 4. But this video is going to show you uh, how you can join along with us on the Bible app. Just click on the Bible app. Make sure you click the More tab and the Events tab. Make sure your location services is on. And when you go to your location services and make sure that is on, make sure you click Divine Worship Experience. You can see everything about the series. You can see the title of the message so that it makes sense. You can also see today it says 
ugly sweater day. Uh, and so uh, you can see the scripture that we do, but more importantly, you can take notes and see how you can connect with us. So that's what I have for us today. We're going to talk about the best Christmas pageant ever. So I'm going to tell you today is something for everyone. Because whether you follow Jesus for two weeks, two months, or 20 years, you're not quite sure who he is and you don't care who he is, today is going to speak to you. And here's how I know. Here's how I know. So get ready. This is where the MVP chant's going to happen. It's not for me, but this is where you get everybody involved. Okay. How many of us, ourselves, or we're asking for a friend, know someone who is coming out of a storm, is in a storm, or sees a storm on the horizon? How many of us? Hands raised. How many of us? It's about 100%, right? All of us can connect with that, the storms in our life. And I'm not talking about the winter storm, whatever it was called last week, I can't remember now, or the rain that's happening. I'm talking about the storms in our life because if we're completely honest, this time of year, don't those storms show up like crazy? Usually in the, in the, in the form of me ripping up gifts and throwing up things, right? Like, like opening presents, you know, you spend all that time wrapping the gifts and I just usually... Throw the wrapping paper all over the place. Just how I roll. Uh, so, like that kind of this storms and this chaos can be this. Like we have event after event to go through, go to. We have gathering after gathering, card after card to send, and people after people to see. And so we can get so chaotic and so caught in the storm that we can miss the peace that we're promised. The peace that we sing about in Silent Night, Oh Holy Night, the peace that we sing about that's going crazy and we end up running like Rudolph, <laughs> like we had at the very first song, right? So today, I just want to talk about this peace because so many times when we're in this storm, how do we feel in the storm? Usually we're pretty angry, we question things, or we're just ready for it to get over, right? Like we're just sitting there, we're ready to go outside. It's kind of like being pent up with the power being out for a little while. You're ready to get outside and get out of this storm. But what if you're in a storm right now for a purpose? Because this time of year, there was a storm that happened, and it happened for a purpose. And so that's what I want to talk about today as we talk about experiencing the peace of God through this storm. So if you got your Bible, I'm going to be in a place you want to know the grace of God. Most of the time, I don't speak from Mark. You know if I follow the gospel of Mark, uh, Mark is really concise. He wrote it all as one story when he was collecting, collecting stories about Jesus to write the gospel of Mark. And it's really short and to the point. And so normally I'm a John guy, you know that, so I don't speak out of Mark much, but this is how you know the grace of God as we talked about storms, is I love his account of what happened. So if you've got your Bible or if you're following, on, if you're following along with us, Mark 4:35 talks about a storm. And it starts like this. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Don't miss this, a furious squall. You ever been in a furious squall? How many people have kids? You've heard a furious squall. Let's be real. You've heard, you ever been in a furious squall, right? A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. Jesus hit the snooze button, y'all. Like, he just straight up got up. It's like, I'm going to have peace. He dropped the snooze button, quieted the storm, and he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves 
obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. First thing I want to tell you right now, if we're talking about peace, because this isn't the end of what we're going to talk through today, is this. Peace itself, peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is not the absence of the storm. So many times we think about the peace and we think about where Jesus was and we think about the disciples and we're talking about peace and we think peace just means I don't have storms in my life. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago at Thursday night, we talked about peace. We talked about shalom. We talked about what it means to be complete. We talked about Irene and, and the New Testament and what it means, and it means to join. And so we think so many times in our life that true peace means that we don't have conflict, we don't have storms. But if we're completely honest, how in the world would Jesus have moved in that moment if there wasn't a storm? How would the disciples saw who he was? So let me ask you this as you're getting ready to this and I'm talking about this piece because see, here's the thing. I used to believe that going through a storm in my life meant that I was running away from God. Has anybody ever felt that? Maybe you were told that growing up. You said if you've got storms in your life or you're experiencing hardships, it means that you're being disobedient. Anybody ever hear that or feel that? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. That's what I used to think. But then as I've grown in my walk with Christ, I've seen it wasn't that I was running away from God. As a matter of fact, going through the storm actually drew me closer to God because it had a purpose in it because my peace wasn't in the storm. My peace was in something else. And so today what I want to ask you is maybe you're in that storm. Maybe you just came out of it. Maybe you know somebody who's in it. Maybe you see one on the horizon. You're a great meteorologist. You see one on the horizon. I just wonder, I wonder if you would believe that this storm you're walking through is bringing you closer to Jesus. Whatever it is, are you mad at him? Are you like Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump that's just screaming at God on the top of the boat, on top of the shrimp boat, saying, what's going on in the middle of the storm? Are you trusting God? Are you gonna have faith? Because here's the thing that I love about the disciples, and this is what I've learned in my walk with Jesus is so many times, you know, I wonder if today you would trust God to do what he calls you to do, like the disciples, to go to the other side even if he don't tell you why. Because if we're not careful, we'll read this story, we'll glance over and we'll be like, okay, cool, Jesus just calmed the storm, that's neat, that's awesome. He showed the disciples who we were. It didn't have a purpose outside of him just showing the disciples who we were, but there was so much more that's about to come. But you see, what happened is the disciples followed the what God called them to do more than they followed the why. And our human brain and our human wiring, you hear about marketing so many times and you hear about leading people, they always say, start with the why. And our brains are wired to start with the why, then go to the how, then go to the what. But you see, our God, is, he doesn't work that way. He actually starts with the what, and then he'll show you the why. So I just want to ask you today, would you be obedient enough to follow Jesus to what he's called you to do, even if you didn't know why? You know, the Christmas story is that, isn't it? Mary had an angel who came and told her, hey, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. And she trusted God's what? even when they didn't fully say the why in the beginning. And then they said he will be the savior of the world. And Joseph, Joseph was in this moment where he said, here's what I'm going to do is I'm gonna quietly divorce her so that she doesn't have shame and I don't have shame. Because, because in that time, shame was to those who were righteous. You couldn't, you couldn't marry someone who was pregnant. Like this wasn't supposed to happen. And both of them together followed God's what? Without fully knowing the why, they just heard it was the son of God. They didn't know all the things that had come. It said, hey, he will save the world, but they probably thought what every other Jew thought at the time. He's gonna be the king. He's gonna be born in a palace. There's gonna be this really cool thing, but they didn't. They followed God's what? They threw their reputation away. They threw all the names that they were gonna be called. They threw all the, probably their friends away to do what God called them to do. 
And as hard as that sounds, I wonder how many of us, if God called us to go to the other side, would be willing to do it. Because this place where they're going is so important. It's so important. And so I just want you to know today, peace is not, is not the absence of a storm. Because as Jesus asked those disciples, he said, do you not have faith? I wonder, I wonder if our faith isn't because we won't face the storm. Because you see, if I dropped prosperity on you, I would say the storm's passing, the clouds are opening up, and there's nothing wrong with that because I believe we do serve a God, but I do believe we go through storms in our life. And I do believe following Jesus actually brings the storm sometimes more than it does clearing the clouds. Because inside the storms, he shows us his peace like never before. He does what only he can do, which isn't what we can do. So I wonder today if we would have faith to follow him in that. Instead of me standing up there telling you the clouds are going to clear, it's going it's gonna, it's gonna to be great and ending. And I started following through my storms in my life, and I'll share with some of these things here in a minute. And I started to think, you know, the place where I don't have peace in the storm is the place I try to control. Right? Like when I try to control the storm, the disciples tried to control the storm. I imagine they were dumping buckets off. Like it says it, it, the waves crashed over the bow. They were doing everything they could and they tried to have control. And then eventually they surrendered and said, Jesus, will you do something about this? And he was just like, okay. And he rebuked the wind and the waves. and He did something about it and said, where's your faith? So today I want you to not just be trying to chase the peace in the middle of the storm. Know who the peace in the middle of the storm is. Don't think you're not going to have a storm in your life just because you follow Jesus. So my question is, before we dive in even more, what are the size of your storm is the size of the assignment God's given you? Because the reason Jesus brought those disciples through a storm is there was an assignment. He was going somewhere. He was about to meet someone. There's someone on the other side that he was crossing over to get to. And the disciples and us in this moment can be rolling through the gospel of Mark and be at the end of Mark 4 and say, okay, boop, story's over. Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. That's awesome. New chapter, like it goes all black and we change to a new scene, but it was actually one continuous story. That's what Mark is trying to write. And I just wonder if today we would understand that that storm, that furious squall was for a purpose because there was someone waiting on the other side. Someone waiting on the other side. Let's see what's happening there. Mark, Mark 5 is where we're going to pick up. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, away from Capernaum. Capernaum means place of comfort, even though that's not in there. I just want you to know they left Capernaum, went to the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him. Look at this setup. Just like that wind and that wave couldn't be bound, no one could bind this man. He lived among the tombs. Uh, they couldn't bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Hey, I said this last week, and we actually had someone reach out, and whoever you are, if you're watching right now, I wish you would reach back out to me. I know that we're trying to have a dialogue. If you struggle with cutting, I want you to know this is something that's been around for a long, long time. And there's places that you can get help, and we would love to get resources in your hands. So, hey, reach out to us at prayer at the vine .tv. Uh, Send us a text, 864-680, excuse me, 580-6698. That's 864-580-6698, for real. This man was there. 
We talked about that last week when we talked about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, how they cut themselves. This man was in the same place. So know that Jesus in your life, Jesus can intervene, and there are people that can walk with you through this storm, through this season. It's nothing new, but that doesn't, that doesn't diminish the pain that you're walking through right now. So we want you to know somebody can walk with you through that season. Reach out to us. We would love to, to help you with that. So when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. So look at this story and this scene that's coming. Jesus has come across. It says that no one strong enough can bind this man. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes across. And how about this? This might be the first time that this man has seen Jesus, but it's actually the second because he probably saw him clearing out the storm. He probably saw the clouds clearing and Jesus is sitting there on this boat coming towards him. And the first thing he says is, Jesus, son of God, what do you want from me? My favorite part right here is Jesus says, what is your name? Have you ever had Jesus just ask you what your name is? You know, maybe today you're just like this man and in the chaos and the noise and in the storm and in the craziness of it all, you're not quite sure who you are. You, you know who this person thinks you are and you know who you want to be and you know where you want to go and you know what you want to do, but you're just not quite sure who you are and you keep going to the hills and walking among these tombs, inflicting pain on yourself and you don't even realize it. Hey, you think we don't walk among tombs? How many of us go among the malls every week? How about the internet? How about that addiction that no one knows about, that if you just put it out there, that it would happen? You think we don't walk among the tombs? We do. We do walk among the tombs. And Jesus is coming to us and saying, Who, what's your name? Who are you? Who are you? And what I love of where this man is is he doesn't know who he is. He says, my name is Legion. My name is Legion. For we, for we, are many. Before we go on, I started thinking about this story, and I, I just want you to know, you know, I, it says Jesus withdrew to the hills early to pray in the morning. This is the same place where Jesus was cast out in the boat, and he spoke, and his voice traveled all through the hills. I wonder how many times he was out there praying, and he heard this man crying on the hill across the lake, crying, crying out for help inflicting pain upon himself, trying to figure out how to find peace. He thought if he cut himself enough, he could have peace. He thought if he was in chains enough, he could have peace. He thought if he was in tombs enough, he could have peace. He thought if he just got away from a society enough, he could have peace. If he pushed everybody away, if they knew a version of him that wasn't truly who he was, that he would find peace. And I wonder how long he was tortured before Jesus said, I'm going across the lake. The disciples didn't know. You know, today, if you have a relationship with Jesus, he may be calling you across the lake. You may not have a clue that you're about to go on a storm with a purpose because there's someone on the other side of it that Jesus wants you to be a part of their life to point him to you, to point him to, excuse me, point, point, get you to point them to him. So I wonder if, if we would see where this man is because I think as the wind and the waves opened up, this man saw Jesus, but he didn't know who he was. He begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area, and a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. 
That's how we know he's in Gentile country because there were no Jews running around pig farmers. They were all shepherds of sheep. They weren't, they weren't running around eating cloven animals, cloven feet animals, right? The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirit came out and he went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in numbers, rushed down the steep bank in the lake and were drowned. You see, today, I wonder if you knew that on the other side of your storm that Jesus is standing there and he's operating, he's moving things along, he's clearing up things to try to get to you. Would you trust that he's trying to get you through the storm or would you just be mad at him that you're even in the storm? Because I can tell you the times of my life that I've been so mad at God that I've been in the storm. I can tell you the people that have died I prayed would be healed. I can tell you the people that in relationships that I wanted to be mended that weren't mended. I can tell you how mad I was at God that I went through the storm. I can tell you the jobs that I lost that I went through the storm that I was so mad that I lost the job. And I was angry at God trying to figure out what in the world it was and I just missed that he was pointing me to where I get to be right now. But yet, I know there's even more storms coming. And if I can trust that he's pointing me where I need to be right now, that he's taking me to where he wants me to be later because there are people on the other side of that. So I wonder today if you understand that if you're going through a storm, that Jesus is on the way. Would you trust your peace is on the way? Would you trust your peace is right there? Are you gonna keep trying to control it? Because this man among the tombs tried to control it. Tried to control it. You know, it's really crazy. I said, hey, we gotta be careful here because we say, we don't think we live among the tombs. Well, it's really easy to look at this guy and say, you're crazy, right? You ever been called crazy? I am crazy. I just hope you know. Uh, you ever been called? I'm wearing a Griswold family Christmas sweatshirt at a church on Sunday. Come on, for real. Uh, <laughs> I am, right? But I started thinking about this man. I started thinking about all those areas of my life that are out of control, there's areas in my life that just aren't perfect. They aren't filter worthy. They aren't Instagram picture perfect, right? They aren't the ones that just have it all together. They aren't that Hallmark card. I want to get to that Hallmark card. That's so awesome. And I remember the Hallmark card probably more than I should. <laughs> but like, I didn't think of all the craziness and the chaos that led to that. And God just reminded me so many times how my control is I'm like this man among the tombs. I'm just inflicting pain upon myself. The more and more I try to control, because here's the thing that I try to control in your life, and maybe you don't do that, so I'll pay you for the therapy session later. The things I try to control in my life is when I get just a little bit of success. How about you? Because I want to take credit for it, right? Man, I did a good job. Thank, thank God for making me so great. You know, like, that. anybody else get there? I get there. But yet you let something go wrong and fall apart. I am screaming mad at the top of my lungs trying to figure out what in the world is going on. I'm trying to say, God, why did you make me do this? God, what's going on? And you may have a pastor that'll tell you he's got it all together. I don't. Hey, if you're looking for that, <laughs> you're in the wrong place because I don't. But I can tell you the places in my life that I try to control are so out of control that I can't do anything and I can't experience peace in that. And so today, maybe that's where you sit. Today, maybe that's where you sit. And I want you to know today you're here because Jesus is trying to tell you his peace and his grace is on the way. His peace and his grace is here. And it's only found in him. And so the areas of my life that I try to control, I just imagine myself like that man among the tombs and I'm just cutting off one limb and I'm cutting off another limb and I'm cutting off this relationship and cutting off that relationship. I'm cutting off this opportunity and that opportunity because I'm trying to control it when I really should just be surrendering it to Jesus. You see, that's why Jesus did that with the disciples, is he said, hey, just surrender this storm to me and watch what I'll do with it. 
Because there's somebody on the other side of that storm. There's somebody on the other side making it happen. There's somebody that's going to make it happen. Like the storm of that stage that just fell. That was awesome. Uh, The storm, there's somebody that's going to make it happen. So let me ask you this question today. Maybe it's this. Maybe the question isn't, will I make it through the storm? Maybe your question is, why did I survive the storm? Why did I survive the storm? Because the disciples survived that storm so they could see Jesus cast demons out of this man. As a matter of fact, later in his ministry, he sends the disciples out, 72 of them, two by two, and says, cast out demons in my name. You can do this. You have the power to do that. And I wonder if they could see that that storm they went through was to get to this man who was among the tombs, to see that Jesus came to reconcile the entire world back to him, not just the Jewish people. And yet so many times in our life, if we wouldn't have gone through that storm or we wouldn't have gone through that season, we would be angry at God and be like, Don't, are you trying to kill me, God? So if you think you're alone in that, hey, the people that walked and talked with Jesus for his three years of ministry on this earth, live and in the flesh, struggled with that. You're not alone. It's okay to struggle with that. But I want to tell you, I want you to have faith and understand that peace is on the way because I want you to know who you are. Because when I look at that man, he said, my name is Legion. So who are you? Who are you? Are you the Facebook person? Are you the, are you the perfectly filtered Instagram person? Are you the Thursday you, the Monday you? Are you the Tuesday you? Because see, I only get to see the Sunday you or the Thursday you. Like, who are you really? Because that's what Jesus is asking you is, who are you? Who are you really? You know, I remember he asked the disciples, who do people say I am at one point in time? And so he's asking today and he's asking each and every one of us, who are you? And I wonder if we'd be honest enough to be where this man is at the end of his rope to say, I don't know who I am anymore. All that I know I am is my name is Legion. I'm many. Like 6,000 different demons we're in, like 6,000 people. Like, do we have that many different personas in the world today that we try to project it all to be together? Like, our ugly sweater is supposed to be a perfect sweater? Like, is that what we live and that's what we breathe today? That's how we have to think we have it all together? We have to have this perfect, polished, pretty piece? I'm not saying we don't work hard. I'm just saying your peace can't be found in that. Because when it's jumbled up like that, you can't help but miss what God's called you to. So I just want to ask you this. If you're trying to control all these different types of you, like the 5 a.m. you, how many of us, what's the 5 a.m. you? Are you you hitting the snooze like Jesus was? How about the 10 p.m. you? It's probably pretty rough, right? How many of us today don't know who we are because we're trying to be everything that we're not made to be and we're out crying among the tombs trying to find the peace that we'll never find? As a matter of fact, maybe today you're swimming in this ocean of chaos and you can't understand. It's kind of like this current pulling you to something. You can't understand why every relationship you're in is ruined. You can't understand why, why every opportunity you're given is ruined. Why, why, you are, why you say, as a matter of fact, hey, why you say the things about yourself to yourself? Hey, I'll tell you, I've struggled with that. I've been in that season. I am harder on myself than any of you will ever be. I know that sounds crazy, but believe it or not, there's nothing you can say to me that I probably haven't said to myself that's worse. And what Jesus has been reminding me in this season is I wonder what the playlist is in my head that I call myself and think that I'm going to find peace from it. Because every time I try to do that, I'm that man crying in the tombs, inflicting pain on myself. And that doesn't come from me. You know who that comes from? It's a lie from the pit of hell. It comes straight from Satan because he knows your playlist. And you know why he knows your playlist? Because he knows if he can get you off of that walk with Jesus, he can prevent you from being all he made you to be. That's what was happening with this man because he's got potential. I don't know, would it be easy for us to say that man's crazy? He belongs in this far off outskirts place 
would we see the potential in who he was made to be? What Jesus saw is exactly the potential that he was made to be. And he saw this pain that he was inflicting on himself wasn't of himself. It was actually something greater. As a matter of fact, when we talk about this storm, when I was looking through this and I was studying, is it made me start thinking because so many times when we study this story, we were like, man, who is this man that controls the wind and the waves? We're like the disciples. What if that storm was actually Satan trying to prevent Jesus to get to the other side? We know Jesus has already won. And we know that there's nothing else that can prevent him from getting there. But the only things I see Jesus rebuke in the Bible is a demon. What did it say he did in Mark 4? He rebuked the wind and the waves. So these demons went before him to try to prevent him from getting to this man. What if this storm and this crazy season that you're going in is because God made you to do something so great, so important, that he's trying to prevent you from stepping into it? Satan is trying to prevent you from doing it. Satan is throwing everything in your path, every obstacle, so much so it might even be a furious squall, one that's so crazy, one that's so chaotic that you don't even know who you are anymore. And so today, I want you to find out who you are. I want you to know who you are. I want you to stand on the rock that is solid, that is Jesus. I want you to know where your peace is found because here's the thing that I know. If you're struggling with that, you've tried everything possible to find peace and you haven't found it yet. One more hit. No peace. One more, one more buffet. <laughs> Santa Bod for real. One more buffet, you didn't find it. One more relationship, you didn't find it. One more job opportunity, you didn't find it. One more car would satisfy it, you didn't find it. One more house, you didn't find it. One more deal, you didn't find it. One more, one more sale, you didn't find it. One more chair, you didn't find it. One more person, you didn't find it. You've been searching for your peace. You just ain't found it yet. See, today I'm submitting to you, maybe it's because you don't know who you are. And that's okay, because all of us have been there. All of us. There's not one of us in this room who didn't know who we were. And so today, I want you to stand firm knowing, knowing who you are. Because here's what's happened. Remember, I talked to you about the playlist that Satan has in your head. He knows what's going to kind of get there on you. So look at verse 14, because this is what he did in this region. Verse 14, then those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. So let me ask you this. There's this crazy man in the tombs. Do you want to tell people you're the crazy man in the tomb or the one holding up the pigs? So I don't know what happens. Jimmy Dean's an awesome guy. got some great sausage, I'm just saying. But I don't know if I want to be Jimmy Dean or the guy in the tombs, right? So like he, they go and they ran to the, and they see what happened. They came to Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind. They were afraid. I want you to know the first time you encounter God, we can't help but stand in fear. The disciples were afraid of who Jesus was in the storm. This man clothed in his right mind, these people are afraid because they're like, this man's been changed. So if you're new to following Jesus and your friends don't quite understand what you're going through, I want you to know it's natural for the world to fear who God is because that's what these people did. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well. By the way, these pigs, 2,000 of them, right? That's about $2 million in today's economy. I want you to know that. That's how much they were worth. Now, maybe they're worth more or less depending on the rate and the tariff, but I'm just saying it's about $2 million is what that was worth. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to do what? Stay and heal all of our people. Stay and do what only you can do. No, they told him to leave. You see, I want you to know right now, that's what Satan knows. See, Satan tried to throw a storm out there to prevent Jesus from getting to this man and make that man think that he had no hope. 
He went after the town with the pigs. He looked at the pigs and said, if they think about the money they've lost in these pigs, they'll never want Jesus to stay with them. And guess how, what their reaction was? <laughs> Get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you here. You've hurt our pocketbook. Sound familiar? There's people in our life that have hurt our pocketbook. Do we see the potential in them to be all Jesus made us to be, made them to be, excuse me? Or do we just... We just get that angry Scrooge. I want you to see, if you know whose you are, it's easy to see the potential in others around you. As I was writing this down, I just want you to know, the devil comes after you. Maybe it's, maybe it's not the bank account, once again. Maybe it's not the storm. Maybe it's the relationship. Maybe, it's, maybe it is cutting. Maybe it is the addiction. Maybe it's the perfection gene. I struggle with that sometimes, too. Takes a lot of time to look this good. Uh, <laughs> rough. Uh, for real. For real, honestly. Maybe that's what it is. I just want to ask you, how are you doing with that? Have you found peace in that? Because after you did that one perfect picture, you're probably looking for the next one, weren't you? Have you found peace in that? Have you found peace in Christmas after Christmas, saying Christmas after Christmas, this is going to be the Christmas that I get it all figured out? I ain't figured it out yet. I'm sorry, y'all. I still haven't got it. I'm not afraid to say. I know who Christmas is about, and that's why I have peace. So my question is to you today, do you know that? Because here's the thing that I believe, and I see in my life, I shared a couple of weeks ago with our Atlaster series about being financially free, about some hardships, but when I look at the hardships of life, I've realized the reason I could endure them is because it's who Jesus made me to be. Had I not gone through those storms, I would not be standing here right now. And if I wasn't standing here right now, there's no way I could point people to Jesus. So today, if your storm is hard, today, if you're struggling like crazy, don't get mad at God about it. See where he is in the middle of it, because I promise you, he's not left you in it. He's not left you in it. And if you'll look to him, you'll experience peace. And if you'll look and say, maybe it's so hard because the assignment is so great. The discipleships went, the disciples, excuse me, went through this furious squall to get to one man. And you may think that's where the story ends. And I will tell you, Jesus does leave the 99 to come to the one, but there's a purpose for the one. Let's see what happens with this man, with a purpose for the one. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I want you to know today, it takes faith to be able to leave your comfort zone. It takes faith to go to the other side of the lake. But sometimes God in his grace keeps you planted right where you are and tells you to bloom right there. This is about to be what's happening with this man. As all of a sudden, he begs to leave. It's so funny to me, the demons, the demons said, the demons said, let us leave, let us get away. The people said, Jesus, leave. And all of a sudden, this man, this man all of a sudden wants to leave. Now, was it that disciples, he told the disciples, he said, come and follow me? So he called them out of their comfort zone, and they had to have faith to follow him. But all of a sudden, this man, this demon-possessed, is standing there, and he says, hey, dude, can I roll with you? Can I go home with you? I hear you got some good food, like you got snacks. I can hang out with you, like you got some good snacks. I hear you can take some loaves and some fish and do some pretty cool things. So like, is that, is that something I can be a part of? Like, I know these guys are scared, but I'm not quite sure. But hey, I hear you got some good stuff. So can I go be a part of that? And what does Jesus tell him? As Jesus was getting into the boat, excuse me, Jesus did not let him go, but said, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you 
and how he has had mercy on you. Some of the hardest people to point Jesus to is your family and your friends that are closest to you. You know why? Because they know you before you met Jesus. They know the crazy. They know the chaos. Matter of fact, they know what's supposed to be the perfect Christmas sweater. They know it's all messed up. They see the ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> they don't see that perfect, that perfect thing that you can project. Because when you have Jesus, you're pointing to perfection. And that is Jesus. And that light that you're shining is him. But sometimes in your life, maybe Jesus is telling you to go home and show them who I am. So that storm that you're in, that job that you hate, that, that, that financial debt-ridden thing that you're in, sometimes Jesus is saying, stay where you are because you're gonna be more of an impact where you are than you are coming with me. And to me, that blew my mind because my whole time growing up with Jesus, it was always come follow me and absolutely he's calling you to follow you, follow him. But at the same time, I wonder sometimes if we had just bloomed where we were planted and we had trust him. I shared, I did everything I could to run like hell, literally from God to be back in Spartanburg. And look where I'm at. Look where I'm at. He said, hey man, you can do more for me here than you can do in some major city across the country. You can do more for me here than there. And so today, maybe you're so worried about trying to get there that you think here doesn't matter. Understand, faith, it takes faith to go across the country, but it takes God's grace to have you be right where you are. And will you trust that? Will you trust that in his grace, he's got you there? Because when that man did, look what happens. Look what happens. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, 10 cities, how Jesus, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What if the change in the storm in your life that Jesus brought you through is to point others closer to him? As a matter of fact, to point your family. Like today, I wanna ask you, maybe Jesus is telling you I changed your condition, but I ain't changing your circumstance because I've got a purpose for it. I've got a purpose for it. There's something that's going for it. Maybe today you believe and you're, you're, you're walking through this and you think, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless or my family's worthless. If you knew my family name or you knew my name or you knew what I did in my past, there's no way that God could save me. There's no way that anything could happen. And what if today you would be the first to break free? What if God made you go through that promise and that, that excuse me, that, that to fulfill his promise, he made you go through that hardship because he made you to do it. Maybe you're the first in your family to graduate college. Maybe you're the first in your family to live debt-free. Maybe you're the first in your family to have kids. Maybe you're the first in your family to not have kids. Maybe you're the first in your family to put up the Christmas tree just the right way. Maybe you're the first in your family to have stock. Maybe you're the first in the family to give to the church. Maybe you're the first in the family to start a church. Maybe you're the first in the family to have a career outside of what everyone thought you would do. Maybe you're the first, and maybe God's made you go through that trial because he's calling you to go first. Would you trust that? Would the disciples have gone had they know the storm was coming? But if Jesus said, hey, there's somebody on the other side I'm gonna meet, they probably would have jumped right in, right? But instead, their faith made them walk through that storm. And Jesus said, help is on the way. And I'm bringing you with me through it because there's somebody I'm gonna meet on the other side. And when I meet that somebody, he's gonna do more for that city than I ever could because they begged him to leave. And the man told all of the capitalists. As a matter of fact, he's one of the first missionaries. 10 cities. But he wanted to follow Jesus to go from city to city. But by being blooming, blooming where he's planted, he reached 10 cities that heard that man crying 
screaming, saw him chained, saw him at his worst, but then saw him clothed in his best. They saw that tacky sweater, but then they saw him dressed in that suit. They knew it. They got to see him, not because of anything he did, but because of who Jesus is. So what I want to tell you today is peace is not the absence of the storm, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus, nothing else. You can't find it in anything else. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. This is Christmas. Jesus, our peace, our completeness, our wholeness. He came to join us to the Father. There was nothing we could do to do that. There was prophet after prophet, judge after judge, exile after exile to point to God, and Israel failed. Because we have all failed. None of us can try to do it. As a matter of fact, we can think it's a 12-step program. <laughs> we, can think it's a, we can think it's a 1-800 number at 3 a.m. that we call that helps us with this great thing. We can think it's the next great product, it's the next great fad, it's the next something, but it'll never be enough, and it'll never give us peace. It's only found in the presence of Jesus. And Mary and Joseph went through the storm that they went through to show the world peace and point them to Jesus. This time of year is about peace. It's about Jesus. It's found in his presence. So I want you to know that even if you're walking in the storm, Jesus is there right there with you. Would you trust? Because he's just saying, call on me and this will all go away. And you, the next one that comes in, you're going to experience peace. Now, maybe the storm keeps raging and the seas keep tossing you to and fro, but know that I'm here with you. Have faith. So today, whatever you're walking through, maybe your life feels like an ugly sweater. Maybe your life feels like a dirty, nasty manger with animals and hay and, and, and literally poop everywhere inside of a cave. And I want you to know that Jesus came down for us to that, to show us that no circumstance is not worth being able to be redeemed through him because peace and peace alone can only be found in him. And so today, I want to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Because here's my question. If Jesus went through the storm for this man, went to the cross to die for all of mankind, what can he not do? Can he not give us peace? Absolutely. But we gotta know whose we are. It's not the Instagram you. It's not who everybody says you are. It's who Jesus says you are. And my question is, if he came to you today and asked you, who are you, what would you tell him? Would you be able to say you're a child of God? Or would you say, I'm this, this, and that, signing autographs in the lobby. I'm this, this, and that, cashing checks at the bank. I'm this, this, and that. Because I promise you, you won't find peace in it. Year after, year after year, you'll circle and circle and circle and circle and circle. And eventually, you're going to see that 30 years of your life was wasted trying to find the peace that was right in front of you the whole time. Jesus is your peace. His presence is the presence of salvation. All you have to do is receive the gift that is him today. And I just want to ask you, whose are you? Because here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came and put on this ugly sweater that is our flesh and our sin. He lived a perfect life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved on the cross by wearing that ugly sweater. But he loved us enough. He didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. 
so that we may have life, so that we can experience peace. We sing of it every time this time of year. As a matter of fact, our friends and family that may not know who Jesus is sing of the very peace that he brings when they don't feel it. They've got an ugly sweater on underneath, but they've got a perfect suit on on the outside. And I want to tell you, if you don't have Jesus in you, that perfect suit is just rags. It's not going to work. So I just want to ask you, whose are you? Are you Jesus's or are you the world's? Because he came to allow you to be his. And when you have him, you will have peace. It will not be perfect. I promise you, storm after storm will come, but you'll have peace in it. When the cancer scare comes, you'll have peace in it. When the bankruptcy comes, you'll have peace in it. When the job loss comes, you'll have peace in it. When these storms come in your life, you can have peace if it's rooted in Jesus. But if it isn't, you're going to be crying in the hills among the tombs, inflicting more pain on yourself than you could ever imagine. Jesus didn't come live this life for us and give us the opportunity to have everlasting life so that we were stuck in the hills. He did it so that we could go to the hills and tell it on the mountain that he is who he says he is. So today, whose are you? Will you trust that Jesus came down to live the life that we couldn't live, die the death that we deserve, to love us enough not to stay dead and rose again on the third day so that we can have life? Because when I read this, I want you to know there's nothing in here that I can do to get salvation except receive the gift and believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I can't work my way towards it. I can't volunteer at the soup kitchen enough. I can't give enough to charity. I can't give enough free cars away. I can't, I can't give free houses away. I can't do all these free things. These are all great, noble things, but they will not give me the peace that only God can give me. And he says the only way you can do that is through my son, Jesus. So whose are you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is the thing that we do Every week, I want you to know that we as a church want you to experience Jesus like never before because in him alone do we have life. In him alone do we have life. So in this moment, I just want you to ask yourself, whose are you? Because just like that man who was possessed by demons, you may know who Jesus is, but Jesus is just a baby in a manger to you. He's just a thing you celebrate this time of year because you put a little scene out on the front lawn. That's all Jesus is to you. But I want you to know that he is your completeness. He is your wholeness. He is your peace. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to reflect for a second. Whose are you? Are you God's or are you the world's? Because if you're the world's, hey, there's an opportunity here that I will tell you that you can experience the peace of God and that's through Christ Jesus. And it's simply believing that he is who he says he is. We're about to say a prayer in a moment. It's not the words of this prayer, it's the faith. It's not the benefit of saying that I said a prayer so I must be saved. No, no, it's faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Because it's not just the words of that prayer that gets you through the, it's faith that will bring you through the storm. It's faith that will allow you to cross the other side and it's grace that will allow you to stay where you are, to trust no matter what storm comes your way, no matter what trial comes your way, no matter what Monday brings, whatever Tuesday brings, whatever you're walking through, Jesus is with you and you can experience peace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me because this is why we do what we do. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you lived the life I couldn't live, died the death that I deserve on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, 
but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you. I want your peace, Lord. If that's you and it's the first time that you have prayed that prayer with faith and professed and confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you to respond. If you're watching online, there are ways you can respond there. We have people who wanna celebrate with you. I promise you, Jesus brought you here today to know that your peace and your help is on the way. So I just wanna ask you today, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three, I'm gonna ask you to respond. One, two, three. If that's you and it's the first time that you can say that you have asked Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, to experience his peace. If that is you, I'm going to ask you to respond. If you're watching online, today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can have peace. It's not just a tree you put up or a scene you throw on the lawn. It's a Savior of the world who came and lived for you. Will you receive him? And so right now, I just want to say for everyone else with every head bowed here, is maybe you didn't want to respond because you were worried about what someone says. That's okay. Don't let today go by without talking to someone. There are people here that love you and know exactly what you're going through because we have been there too. And then we found Jesus. We found peace. So we know what it feels like to walk through that. So if you would like to talk with someone about that today, we would just ask you to reach out to us at prayeratthevine.tv. Text us, call us, 864-580-6698. Whatever it takes, don't let the day go by without talking to someone about that. And so with everyone else, if you just want to lift your head up and stand, we're about to sing. And I just want you to be reminded whose you are. So if everybody wants to stand right now, we're going to get ready to sing. And I just want to, I'm going to pray here, but I just want to say this before we get rocking and rolling. I wrote this down so that I wouldn't forget it or say it the wrong way. Jesus is looking for somebody crazy enough to believe he is who he says he is today. And if you do, he's looking for somebody crazy enough to go through the storm to see that someone on the other side has the potential to reach and do more than they ever could on their own because of him and their life. So would you be crazy enough with me to believe that Jesus has so many people today that he wants to reach? Who do we know right now that doesn't know who Jesus is? If we were to ask them right now, whose are you? They would say, I don't know. I am legion. I'm this on Monday. I'm this on Tuesday. I'm this on Friday. But I'm this on Sunday. I want to tell you, if they can say that they're Jesus's, man, that's what this is all about. So I'm going to pray. And then I just want you to just stand firm in whose you are today. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Just please be with each and every one of us as we get to lift your name high today. Uh, Jesus, it's all about you. You are our peace. Maybe today right now, uh, some of us, we're just not experiencing peace. And maybe... Maybe right now we're too ashamed to talk about it. That's okay, Lord. That's okay. We have people here. Uh, thank you for letting us be here to walk with people through that because you walked with us through it. None of us, none of us have it all together, Jesus. So I pray today as we sing this song that we would know when you say, what is your name? Who are you? We would know who we are because our identity is found in you. It's not in a present under a tree. It's not in a stocking on a chimney. It's not in the clothes we wear. It's not in the posts that we share. It is in you. So Jesus, I pray today that we would declare and worship your name and lift your name high. And when those say, who are you? We would say, we are a child of God. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray.
Amen.
All right. So, today, do you believe? Right now, let me ask you, do you know someone in your life that doesn't believe? I'm sure there's a name that's filtering through. Hey, be there for them in the storm. Show them Jesus. Show them they're not alone. As he crossed the storm and brought people with him to show them that they are more than they think they are with him in their life. They are worth it. And so today, remember I told you, we started off by telling each other you're an MVP. I want you to know that you are God's most valuable possession, not just his most valuable person. That if you are his, you are valued, you are treasured, you are sought after, you have purpose, and you have life because of who he is, not because of anything you've done. And so today, whatever storm you're walking through, whatever trial you have, if you have Jesus, you've got enough. And if you don't, don't. Don't let today go by without seeing who he is, laying it at his feet. Experience the peace like never before. So right now, if you know someone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm about to pray for us. And I'm going to pray for the peace that only he can give to be spread out today wherever we go and whatever we do throughout this week and wherever we are in this season, that his peace would overwhelm every opportunity, every encounter we have with every person because I believe everyone we run into is a divine appointment. Every person we see, God has placed them there for a reason for us to point them to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, go ahead and get your arm around somebody. Well, you probably get your arm around somebody where you close close your eyes because that could be a tripping hazard. Uh, so those people that are with you, God's got them with you for a reason. God's got them with you for a reason. So Jesus, as we come to you right now, I just pray that when, 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 when folks look at us and we can say who we are, it's because we know whose we are, because we are highly valued, highly treasured. We are your most valued possession. And when we've given you everything and we trusted you uh, as our Lord and Savior, we can't help but be a light. So right now, as we get to go into this Christmas season that is storm-filled, that is literally an ugly sweater, Jesus, I pray that we would be clothed in righteousness because we know who we are. And as we encounter those who are crying in the hills, who are inflicting pain on themselves, Jesus, I pray that they would see you in a new way because they see your peace in us and that we would trust that you had divinely appointed them to come in front of us, whatever season, whatever storm they're walking through. And Jesus, for those that are in a storm right now, I pray that they would know that they are not alone, that you are right there in that boat, right there in that ship with them. If they would just go and lay it at your feet. They would experience your peace. A circumstance may not change, but because of you, their condition has already changed. They are no longer dead, but they are alive. So no matter what the world or Satan throws at them, they cannot be overtaken because the victory is already won because you came. So Jesus, today, I pray that as we go out through this week, I pray that as we go into this season where folks just see you as a baby in a manger, that they would encounter you as their savior. And I pray that we would be the catalyst and the conduit for that. And we would be your vessel. Just like Mary said, for your will, Lord, we will do it. Jesus, I pray that we would have faith and trust that your will be done and your kingdom come. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that we get to be here. We don't deserve any of this, but for some reason you allow us to be a part of it. And it's because of you and to make your name more famous. So thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hang out with us next week. We're going to end our series, God, with us and have our Christmas service. We can't wait to see you.